I'll, I'll take the nice, sweet Jesus, the, the kind of flowing locks and children and lambs kind of Jesus, but the Jesus who cleanses the temple twice goes out. I love it because it, it says in the first time he cleansed it, it says that he went in, he saw the temple, he got enraged. He went out and he fashioned a whip. He made it. He sat down. He just started thinking about how he's going to whoop on some people. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It took some time. Yeah. 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I don't know how long. He had to gather the parts. He had to make the whip, dude. And then went back in. It's like, he probably was like, no, that's not thick enough. That's not going <laughs> to, I needed something a little more, a little more hefty. Yeah. yeah I got to <laughs> add a couple bones in there. Um, so, so there's that Jesus that people, you know, when they, when they do the WWJD bracelet, a lot of times that's not what they're thinking of. They're not thinking of the Jesus who cleansed the temple. The Jesus who said, I brought, I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division among people. All right, unyielding. We are back, and uh, and uh, we're happy to be here. So we are um, jumping into our podcast today. Before we do it, let's pray and uh, just ask the Lord to be pleasing to Him. Father, uh, we we want Lord the the words of our mouth and meditations of our heart, Lord, to be pleasing to You, and want to glorify You with this podcast in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, um, if you comment on on our YouTube page, that's particularly where we're going to interacting with people we'd love for you to raise any questions objections thoughts concerns things that you might want to see us address here and um, we'll we'll bring you those ones in and anything that makes sense we'll we'll talk about here um today we want to talk about just as we have been circulating this podcast we haven't even released it really yet we wanted to um you know just kind of test it with different people one of the one of the pushbacks we've gotten i don't know if it's a fully direct pushback but um is that some people have said, man, you come off sometimes it's kind of harsh or kind of mean or, you know, just not nice or soft or, or whatever. And so thinking about that, that's actually part of a larger, much larger conversation that's happening in culture in Christendom is should Christians be nice? Um, it's sort of been for a long time, the 11th commandment, you know, be nice. And um, uh, I've heard uh, Charlie Kirk say that, uh, Vody Bauckham say it. There's a lot of people who have just said, man, Christians have this this default that we should be nice people. And so what, do, what first off, I, I don't know that I want to fight against that too much because I, I think being nice is fine, but it really all depends on what is your definition of nice? What do you mean by nice? And as best as I can kind of unravel it, I think there's sort of four different kinds of categories of things that people mean. And a lot of times it's jumbled up together and it's kind of a cross of things, but um, a lot of times by be nice, they mean um, let your language and your, your tone be polite and respectful and kind and um, and careful. And so um, that's one thing they can mean. Uh, I think sometimes they mean you're being judgy. Uh, you're you're calling people to account. Judgy, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a there's a real you know they they said several years ago that the most popular quoted verse in the Bible is um, uh, you shall not judge, right? Um, so that's sort of a, a common thing that Christians shouldn't be judgy. We shouldn't be judging people for their sin. Um, another one is you're being offensive. You're, you're running the risk of hurting somebody's feelings or turning somebody off or offending someone. And then I think the one I hear a lot too, is that you're hurting our witness that, that the people that maybe you would, would speak negatively about, or that you would call out, or you'd bring some kind of condemnation to those people are going to be pushed away from God, away from the kingdom and, um, and not have, uh, uh, they're not going to be interested in, in coming to the Lord. And, the idea a lot of times behind that one is people are seeking the Lord um, and and they're they're somehow going to be turned off or pushed away because Christians are 
mean or rude or something like that. So a lot of times I think, I think people mean a lot of different things. I think some of that criticism can come from friends, from people that, that, um, you know, are, are friends of Christians, are Christians themselves, are legitimate Christians. And it's a legitimate concern. I think some people it sort of is illegitimate and, and come on with that. How have you guys seen that idea that Christians should be nice and, and, you know, I, I think we've said several times on this podcast, this podcast isn't for everybody, right? If you're looking for like a very um, polite conversation, politically correct, that's not going to be us. That's not who we are as guys. And that's not typically how our conversations go. And, um, and so, so knowing that, what are some of the, the ways you have seen that criticism, maybe experienced that criticism in your own life or had that criticism and how do you think about it? Well, I, I love how you defined the different areas that people might define niceness, but I want to maybe branch off to one of them with, I just don't think people like controversy. And, and so people are afraid of um, confronting certain things um, about their faith, or maybe they don't know how to defend their faith. And so I think when you're not nice, you're going to introduce controversy into that conversation or relationship. But people have to understand that Jesus' whole life and his ministry was steeped with controversy. And that was what surrounded his life and how he advanced um, the gospel. And so if you're looking to avoid controversy, you better just take that and throw it away because that's never going to be the life of a Christian. I think the quicker you can get over that, the quicker you're going to be able to be more comfortable in stating your faith and offering a defense for it. Sometimes what I think animates people is is a lack of courage or cowardice, right? They're, they're, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you, right? right? So there's, there's something that naturally as a Christian brings you into conflict with the powers of this world, with the the rulers of this world um, that, you know, we, we've said before, I think that, that you can kind of break down the enemies of God into three categories. There's uh, the, the devil. So the, the dark spiritual world, um, the, the world, which is like the systems of the world and the powers that run mm-hmm. the earth, the fallen world, and then our flesh, right? Which mm-hmm. is, and, and all three of these things are kind of conspiring, working together to try to push back against God and try to defeat the things of God. And God is actually in conflict with them. And to try to avoid that conflict or try to make peace with that conflict is actually a, a wicked thing to do. But a lot of Christians want to do it because they're, they're cowardice and they're afraid and they want to you know, make friends with the world. They don't want to be in opposition. They don't want to be right. controversial. And so they try to avoid those things. Well, and I think um, you got to look at examples of Jesus when he was controversial and he engaged in, um, in a controversial situation. I mean... He went to the temple and saw the money exchangers, started flipping tables over, and then he made a whip and started whipping people. Um, If you were to look at a Christian doing that, you know, obviously we're not Jesus, but people criticizing that uh, niceness, you know, that's not nice. Jesus walked away from people as well. Um, He walked away from the rich young ruler. He said, I want to go to, I want to go to heaven. Jesus said, well, but I got a lot of things. He's like, that's probably not going to happen. And then he walked away. He didn't go, oh, you know, come back. Let's talk about this. You know, right, like, right. you know, um, so Jesus in itself, a lot of his actions weren't nice either. Yeah, certainly. One thing um, you, you look at how Jesus talked about this uh, subject is like, there's a part where he says that I came not to bring peace, but division. And people would say like, oh, wow, that doesn't sound like a Jesus quote, you know? Um, but like he wasn't talking don't like about, that Jesus. Yeah, don't like that one. Uh, there's your red letters, you know? Um, but uh, he wasn't talking about that everyone should just beat each other's throats or something and that we should all just be kind of surly and disgruntled and no one should have peace. 
but he was saying that there's a clear separation I'm coming to bring between between people and their sin. And I think what we get a lot of times now is that when we call out sin, that people get very riled uh, and very angry because they don't yet hate their sin. Yeah. It's it's bound together with mm-hmm. them, and in a lot of ways, our culture now binds that sin with their identity. And so if we say that sin it will send you to hell, it is it is wrong and God hates it, then they say, well, that person by saying that is being hateful to me. Yeah. And when, and in fact, the opposite is true, that if that's said according to scripture, that that person is saying, be free of your sin, yeah. come and be separate from it in the name of Jesus, that that's the most loving thing that you could say, but it will not be comfortable to someone who doesn't yet hate their sin. And I, and I think that that's a lot of times where we're at right now. That's a division that we want to bring is, is, is come away from your sin. Yeah. And there, there's, there's several things in there. One of them is we, for a long time, a lot of Christians have been taking kind of the Thomas Jefferson approach to the Bible. Like, I'll take this, I'll take this, I'll take this. You know, famously Jefferson cut out anything that he didn't think was possible or plausible from the Bible. And so he had this, you know, having this Bible that was, that was all cut up and kind of how he wanted it. And people kind of have that approach to Christianity. People have that kind of approach that, that I'll, I'll take the nice, sweet Jesus, the, the kind of flowing locks and children and lambs kind of Jesus, but the Jesus who cleanses the temple twice goes out. I love it because it, it says in the first time he cleansed it, it says that he went in, he saw the temple, he got enraged. He went out and he fashioned a whip. He made it. He sat down. He just started thinking about how he's going to whoop on some people. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It took some time. Yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I don't know how long. He had to gather the parts. He had to make the whip, dude. And then went back in. It's like, he probably was like, no, that's not thick enough. That's not going <laughs> to I needed something a little more, a little more hefty. Yeah, yeah I got to add a couple bones in there. Um, so, so there's that Jesus that people, you know, when they when they do the WWJD bracelet, a lot of times that's not what they're thinking of. They're not thinking of the Jesus who cleansed the temple. The Jesus who said, "I brought, I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division among people." So, I think there's there's that's part of it. I think there's also um, a just a friendliness between the church and the world that we've allowed over a long time, and and maybe it's a vestige of of Christianity taking such a foothold here. Maybe it's because we were such a Christian culture that we're so comfortable with Christianity and the world, the world that, you know, that it was it was it was really like a Christian nation for a long time. It was generally accepted that the people here, the people who were in charge, our leaders were people who trusted God and loved God. And so there's kind of a a natural affinity there maybe for each other that most Christians in the history of the world have lived in cultures where there was no question about that. Their, their, their culture was antithetical to God, hated God, and they knew it. And they they knew that becoming a Christian meant they were going to be other and separate. You're crossing a bright line. I heard someone say yeah. before in most cultures, yeah. if you become part of the church, there's a bright line that you've just crossed. Yeah. It, yes. And, and, and that line didn't exist in America is what you're saying. Not as much. It was right. just... It was just People got clear, and and we've been so wealthy, we've been so successful that it's just made it easy. And we're coming into this kind of post-Christian era in the West um, that you know we again we just believe that God is going to establish His kingdom here, but it comes in waves, it goes in and out, and that that right now people feel really uncomfortable because the wave is going out, and there's becoming a clear division between the church and the world, between Christianity and and the values of the world. Um, and so people in there have loved their sin and they they want to make friends with the world when they shouldn't and, and in ways that they shouldn't. There's also something else you said in there, though, that's like a battle over the dictionary, like the definition of what is love, right? You you drive, um, you see the I've, the human rights campaign or whatever it is for the equality, love is gay love. marriage. 
love wins, yeah, right? And like, okay, <laughs> what do you mean love wins? Yeah, I definitely think that love wins. Uh, that that Jesus, but my love, not your. Yeah, love. <laughs> Jesus is love. But what do we mean by love, right? Yeah. What does it mean by love to say you don't love me because you don't accept me because you don't embrace my wickedness? No, no, like, man, if if I saw you going towards a cliff and and you were gonna tumble off, is is my is my best move just to let you keep continue on your path and do what you're enjoying doing and you know, make your own choices and I should support your choices. Or is it to like tackle you or scream at you or yell at you? at you? Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, stop. Yeah. You're going to throw, destroy yourself. Throw a parade for cliff jumpers. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all need to support, support cliff, jumpers cliff jumpers and then build, you know, a hospital at the bottom so we can help them. Like that's a lot of people, how a lot of people would take the, the view of the Christian world. Like, it's like, no man, we need to like be clear. What is love? What do you mean by love? Well, and what is the definition of it? Didn't Penn and Teller say something because he's not a believer by any stretch yeah. of the imagination, but he even said, like, if you honestly believe that someone's going to hell and you don't tell someone about Jesus, isn't that the most awful, ruthless, cruel yeah. thing? So yeah, Pendulet's a an atheist, um, but he at least understood this guy. He was talking about this guy who was really complimentary, really respectful, but said, "Man, I want to give you this Bible and I want to tell you what I really believe." And he mm-hmm. he respected it because he said, "Man, if you actually believe that, then that's something that yeah. you should want to do." I um. I think niceness is is interesting because I think it connects with um, our society uh, being in a position where men representing their strength in the convictions that they have is just kind of faux pas. It's just a little bit like be more gentle in how you present that. Um, And that isn't, I I think that really is a little bit of what's happening with like the the 11th commandment being niceness is, is, uh, you know, there's a lot of examples of Jesus, and I think those are great, but there's also examples of like Joshua, David, other men in the Bible who like, when when David was, uh, when he came in the story of David versus Goliath, he hears Goliath mocking God's people, and he's like, no, no, that's not what's gonna happen. And he does that in a manly way. And right now, if I were to hear somebody mocking God or or mocking what I believe in, the general uh, zeitgeist would be like, be very gentle in how you approach them. Mm. And, and there might be a time and place for that. If you, if you're discerning that that person needs that instead, but a lot of times men approach things that are threatening what they hold valuable with more force, with violence. Like you're going to, you're going to enter in when I'm defending something, you're going to encounter a part of me that isn't about winning you in that moment. Now, I'm still a Christian, so my overall mindset is for your good. And, and we do have to have a redemptive quality there. But I, I think what I envision is like when a man uses his passion, when a man uses his like aggression against things that are coming against the church or God, that there's like, you know, it's, it's a little cl- cliche-ish, but there's like a lot of women that are like, oh, no, no, that's too much. Don't, don't go that far. Kind of like, right. like if you were to discipline a little kid, like, oh, no, no, just be, be gentler, softer. And there's, there's a lot of applications for that, but then there's this big swath of applications where if something's coming against what we believe as men and Christians, we need to act against it in a way that's more, gives us more full latitude to express things. Well, there's sort of a general cultural uncomfortability with masculinity across the board, right? Like there's, there's a, um, uh, there's a a book, uh, there's several books about this, but why men don't go to church. Right, and particularly the church has become very feminized. Um, has become very where um, they want you know people to be um, uh, 
soft and kind and careful. It's kind of been run by the church. It looks statistically, uh, I think it's, the church is typically made up of 60% women, uh, 40% men, right? Just the men aren't there, aren't involved in the, in the church in the way that, that they could or should be. And so that's part of, of, I think what people mean when they say be nice is because they're not comfortable with masculine, you know, muscular Christianity. I think it's interesting in the, in the story of David too, that here's, uh, um, you talk about being nice. You, you have, um, a Goliath come out and he's insulting yeah. God and insulting people of God and, and David insults him back. Right. David yeah. says, uh, uh, I'm going to cut off your head and yeah. the birds are going to eat your body today. Right. Like, uh, he, he, his whole, his whole insult back was like, dude, it's very harsh, very aggressive. It's two men interacting. It's a, right. it's a, and, uh, and to a good versus, and, a, and yeah, like, Hey, I'm, I'm coming to fight you. I'm not yeah. coming. And the interesting thing you think of that character, God talks about David in some really powerful ways. Like he's a man after my heart. And you see a lot of attributes in David that aren't just brutal, yeah. but in moments where people are coming against God in when David was acting rightly, he stands up in a very aggressive forceful way, which yeah, man of the, war. Yeah. And that, that I think is at least, you know, 60% of what's going on with niceness. It's just this overwhelming urge to be gentle with everything and like treat everything like it's so, so precious and delicate. And that, that doesn't work. Well, I, I think like you said, Mike too, we're coming into this almost a, a post-Christian or like kind of a new, a new pagan era in, in the United States. Um, where the strategy that the church has adopted for, I don't know, the last several decades, it was kind of working to get people in the doors because we were a generally kind of Christian-ish nation. But the church adopted a strategy that was not biblical. They adopted the strategy of like ingratiation, which is we're going to get you in the doors by being likable on your terms. Right. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest problems with the definition of be nice is that it is, gets to be defined by the hearer if the hearer doesn't feel that you're being nice right then something wrong then you're being nice and unloving etc hateful even right yeah and i think for a long time the church has has taken that strategy of first let's try to be very likable and then maybe we can kind of do like a little turn to get them towards the gospel that says die to yourself die to your sin, take up your cross. and Almost like we're trying to trick them. A little Almost like we're not presenting the bait switch. But we we actually forgot the second part. So so I think a lot of these churches had the bait and switch planned, Mm -hmm. which is not biblical. We never did a switch. We never did a switch. (laughs) Yeah, we never did a switch. switch. And and the truth is you shouldn't have have started with that strategy anyway. You should have started with with Jesus' strategy. And think of a a little bit of, that isn't how God necessarily works. If you think, oh man, I'm... uh, um, when uh, they're going into battle, there's a time when they're leading their men and they have they have a thousand or something. Yeah, and God him. keeps whittling them down. And he's like, those aren't the right people. I Anybody who drinks water like that, they're not ready to do what I need them to do. And so we have to think about what winning looks like. Winning doesn't look like getting everybody in the door. Our heart is for that. But we don't need to build a plan about numbers. We We want to be people. We want people that fight for conviction and 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 follow the Bible. And so. It's well. It's based on this kind of false idea, and you see it all the time. And it's actually what gives you a lot of cover is that that generally the people out there in the world that are not Christians are seeking for God. Like they're hungry for Him. They they are, um, you know, uh, they're they're just like on the precipice. They're and it's like that's actually like a fall. Like the Bible says, no one seeks after God. Right? God has to call you. Is part of it. And then the whole seeker 
friendly movements, a whole secret sensitive movement in the church for a long time, Willow Creek, um, Saddleback, all these churches. It's just, man, we got to make churches as easy, as comfortable to come into. And, and it's, it's also based on this kind of trope of like the fire and brimstone, hell and brimstone kind of preaching and teaching that honestly, like, it's hard to actually, I don't, I can't think of almost anybody that is like Helen. Like, it's almost like a, it's like a fake idea of what all these Christians, you can't, the guy on the sword that on the, on the side of the road on the corner with the, the bullhorn, just screaming at people, you're going to hell. Like right? a it's Westboro like, Baptist. Yeah. Like, yeah. like they, they use that, which is this little tiny weird coal as, as the example of what we don't want to be. And it's like, there's actually a lot of room on that. But one of the things I've always said is, is there really is no good news without bad news. And if you're, if you're unwilling to give people the bad news, which is that, that sinners, if you die in your sin, you're going to go to hell. That's the bad news that the good news is predicated on. The good news is that you can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus has done. And if you receive him, like you can be saved, but that actually is not good news. If you don't know you need to be saved, what do you need to be saved from? So I, I, you know, I've been banging on the drum for a long drum for a long time, but people say, man, that's going to turn people off. They don't want to hear about hell. They don't want to have hurt feelings. They don't all that kind of stuff. And it's like, man, that's, that's actually not helping anybody if we're not willing to yeah. bring out the bad news. And what a shame, right? If you have a church that says, um, okay, come on in, you can bring your sin with you. And you say you do have somebody who has started to feel that inkling that their sin is the death of them, that they, they want to be free of it. Right. And they go to this church and they think this might be the answer. Jesus might be the answer. And at the church, they hear your sin gets to sit in the pew next to you. Right. You get to keep that. So that stays with you. And now keep coming and come to the 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 potluck and sing the songs and do yeah. these kind of things. But your sin stays with you, and they what hopelessness? I thought I, small... I thought they had the answer. I thought I could be free of this. Yeah, such an impotent gospel. It's yeah, so, it's such a small, weak gospel. Where the real gospel is, man, we and and I think it's valuable to to preach against sin. And the world is so full of of compromise. It's so full of of darkness. And there's so many Christians who want to try to wink at that or treat it like it's not a serious thing. And man, it actually is. A, it's actually a huge opportunity for the church. There's going to be so many people who are going to come to the end of themselves and are already. They're 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 realizing, man, I don't, I hate this. I I'm I'm not happy. I'm broken inside. I'm full of misery. I'm full of regret. And what is the answer to that? And the church needs to be. They they need to know in their mind. I know where the answer. The answer is for me to humble myself and seek God. And that's where I'm actually going to find rest for my soul. That's actually where I can find forgiveness and. And um, I think the other element is not only the eternal consequences, but you just touched on the physical consequences of sin right now in the world that people are experiencing. And I think offering a defense and an explanation, hey, you can be free of this depression. You can be free of addiction. You can be free of pornography that's tying you down and and, it's so cumbersome. And um, I think that's missing as well. Yeah. And, And the other part is, I think that sometimes when we have this conversation and this can maybe lead into a, a clip that I, I wanted to show, we kind of discussed whether we should do it or not, but um, of the public nature versus the private nature of sin, right? Um, there's, there's Spence, you had said a, a little bit ago that there's sort of a, maybe a time and place for you might use a different tool in a different spot. Um, but I think Christians need to be speaking into the the public world because there's a lot of public things that are going on. We all actually more than ever are involved in each other's private lives because of social media. It's all out there. It's all for people to see. And, um, and I think there's a lot of messaging and there's a lot of people who are just, they're just taking it in. They're just, they're, they don't even know they're being shaped by it, but they're being shaped by it because their, their minds and their lives are being changed by these different, um, 
messages and the different worldviews that they're getting. And, um, and, and this, you know, talk about like, like the targeting of kids in schools and all this kind of stuff that's going on. Well, it's also being targeted by media, but and the kids are picking up all these messages. And so while you might have, we're, we're going to look at a, 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 a video that Lecrae made about a uh, little Nas X's, um, a recent came out with kind of a quasi what he's calling like a Christian video, a Christian song. And, um, and, and Lecrae's going to respond to it. And I think a lot of people, I think Lecrae's response is going to be, well, what is Lil Nas X going to think? And my thought is I don't really actually really care at all about what Lil Nas X thinks. Um, what I care about is the 28 million followers. He 38 million followers. He has on TikTok. that right? are like deceived. All I got a quick people... question before we go any further. Yeah. When we talk about this, do I have to say little Nas X? Cause little, I just, no, I just don't want to say yeah. that. As yeah. like a, it's embarrassing. It's a mouthful and it's embarrassing. And, and I don't like the name. Yeah. When I was texting you guys, I was like, <laughs> what a stupid name. I was like, <laughs> it's like, I, mean, I, I, I know almost nothing about this world, but I know enough to know that like every rapper these days is like lil. Like, what I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, uh yeah. little Debbie. Yeah, I'm gonna be Big Mike if you guys are. I think Big Mike's already in. Little Smokies already. Those are pretty. Um, okay, so yeah, no, no, we don't want to put Little Smokies in Little Nas X. That's offensive. Um, but but I, I think that one of the really important questions for us to think about is, man, what about all the people who are watching this? Come on, what are they? What are they hearing? So when I talk to people, when I interact, um, we had we had some people at our church the last in the last year kind of deconstruct, and um, and they did it very publicly and on social media. And I, I felt compelled. I want to respond, and I don't. What, not, de what does deconstruct mean? Wait. Well, deconstruct means that they they're, they're walking back their faith. Yeah, basically. And there's there's a lot more that goes in it. We'll probably do an episode at some point on deconstruction because it's a big thing going on in the church. A lot of young people are who grew up in the church are kind of reexamine their their faith in light of wokeness, yeah. DEI, just generally LGBT, kind of yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And, um, and a lot of them are forsaking Christianity or trying to find some kind of other Got kind it. of Christian. Actually, Lecrae is a great example. Lecrae deconstructed and is deconstructed, whatever. It's a nice way to say being an idiot. <laughs> well, it's well, a, nice, a dum-dum. It's a nice a, way of saying self-deceived dum-dum. Yeah, it's, it's a nice way of saying walked away from the Lord. And um, But anyways, my, my point was is that these people, they, they did it really publicly. And, and actually, they were like deleting comments of people who were like saying, hey, like that's not right yeah. and whatever on there. And so I, I kind of said a bunch of stuff on my, you know, uh, social media to try to, and I wasn't trying to convince them. I, I didn't care as much about them as much as all the people who were watching them going, oh man, I love that person. And man, what, I'm yeah. not sure what I think now. And man, that's, you know, so I think in my mind, like when, when these kinds of things come up, I'm thinking about all the people who are watching, all the yeah. bystanders are trying to say, man, what is God, where's God in this? What does God think about this? And I want to try to, yeah, people, to people say that's, you know, and Lecrae will say in this, like how, how to win people, how to win how to win little Nas X, right? Like you said, I don't care about little Nas X. What I do care is about protecting people and letting them know someone out here doesn't believe the lies that are being yeah. told. Someone right. actually is standing up for the truth and you can stand with me, I'll stand with you. Yeah. Right? You're, that's, trying to, that's you're, the, you're trying to see, you're, you're taking in all this information and you're trying to see what makes sense and what's true. Man, I want to be, I want to tell you, here's the light, here's yeah. the truth. Like yeah. here's the right way. And and come and find it, right? And there's there's something distinctly not nice about taking that position. So when Tobias is saying that, what for a man to say that, you're standing in front of people who are a little bit timid. And so the the whole eleventh commandment, it actually prevents men from standing up in those spaces. Cause you you have to get a little gumption when you're saying, Hey, yeah. no, no, that's not right, and I'm gonna say it out loud and say it that way. 
Now people who are a little less or a little timid, they do have a place to get behind. And and that that is an important part of how we move Christianity forward. And if you and if someone does not do that, what happens? There's a void. Exactly. And there's no other opposition. There's, there's so this... the culture is just gonna keep going in all these little silos of influencers. If there's not someone coming in and stepping in, it's just gonna keep I don't the know void's why gonna you keep going. Uh, why I feel like you might know this, Phil, but um there's like a bystander kind of complex or something like that. If oh, something's it's the, going it's on the first we're, follower. First, yeah, if the, something's going on. A lot of people will walk by a bad situation. Yeah. The first person to step up, it takes courage. Yeah. It takes some kind of like a little bit of, I'm going to go fix that. And that isn't always just nice and delicate and friendly. But when that person does it, now it's easier people, for everybody. Now other somebody else to go. goes also to see, oh, is that okay? And you get, you get people moving in the right well, direction. Well, it, it, the concept is the first person has to come. And then the sec once the second person comes in, then it's a movement. The first person, they're kind of out there and they they look crazy and I don't know really know what they're doing. Like like the man that needs to step in and be the leader. But then the first follower, once that comes in, then it's a movement and then the masses can come. And so I, I think let's it's play a, this. Let's yeah. play this. Quick. So let me, let me set it up real quick because uh, if if you don't know who Lil Nas X is, um, uh, he is a yeah. Consider yourself very lucky. He's he's a a gay country western rapper. Um, he had, I think his song was the country road or something like that. Pretty standard, really. Yeah. Yeah. Was the <laughs> satanic was the homo number rapper. as it has, holds the record for the longest number one hit on billboard top 100, um, in, in the history of it. So bigger than the Beatles, bigger than Michael Jackson, like that song stayed longer at, at number one. Um, you might remember there was a big dust up over two things. He did a, a thing at, um, I don't know if it was the, the Grammys or something, but he, he released a video of him like, and Satan and he's acting super gay is just super it's crazy you guys it's so crazy i i can't believe it. he's on cover of time magazine you give satan um, a lap dance is that too I far think, to say? yeah no that's fine he gives okay. satan a lap dance um he um he, he just is a very 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 provocative uh pro provocateur trying to get attention in every possible way he, he has a shoe line that's yeah. satanic and there's a drop of human blood in yeah. each shoe right so he's just fully embraced this and so then uh in the last just a few weeks ago he came out with a video of of him with a new song, and he says, "Is it okay for me to start my Christian era?" And it's a song that basically uh, is is kind of quasi references God and has him running around in like a jean skirt, and like it's just like just the guy is so out there, um, overly trying to get attention for his his um, his gayness and his sexuality and just whatever. But he's he's very popular. He's very 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 well known. So he releases this and and he gets a lot a fair amount of pushback from Christians who are like like Christians should have you, you have no business calling yourself a Christian. Um you're you're not anywhere close to this. You're what you do doesn't align with the Bible. So then Lecrae, who if you don't know who Lecrae is, Lecrae is a well-known Christian hip hop artist. Um uh he actually came to Future Quest back in 2010. It was our our he's he's gotta be the most selling Christian hip hop artist of all time. But then he went through a whole deconstruction himself. He bought fully into the, all the BLM stuff. Um, really just went away from like the white church and evangelicalism, stopped calling himself all that. And then just in the last couple months, he's made like a total resurface on um, YouTube, which is, and, and he talks about how he really walked away from the faith and he got involved in all kinds of sin and smoking weed and all this kind of stuff. And and yet he still in his videos has a, like is a, a like he's has like a very teaching, like he needs to teach the church. He needs to let the church know what's up. And, um, and I just thought, man, he's been doing that forever. He's been, even when he was like 
even now he's saying, I was not even really a Christian then. I walked away from the Lord. Even back then, he was still trying to tell the church how they should act and what they should do. It's just like such a lack of humility. But in this video, he's addressing the Christian response to Lil Nas X's video and that we shouldn't be basically so judgy. We shouldn't be calling him out. Okay, so let's just real quick, we'll run that, that quick clip. It's like three minutes. People are upset about rappers' lifestyle choices in general. People are upset about non-Christian lifestyle choices in general. What are we expecting? Why do we not expect sinners to sin? I don't understand that. Like a blind man comes on the bus, steps on your toe, and you say, hey, what the heck are you doing, blind man? Stepping on my foot, blind man? No, you help him find a seat. That's what you do. And so you've got people in the world who are wrestling with what faith is and who God is, and maybe their lifestyle choices would look drastically different if they knew the true and living God. Well, it's not our job to condemn them for their lifestyle choices. It's our job to show them where love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control exists. It's our job to show them where forgiveness and love like just permeates and transforms everything. It's almost as if people forgot they were ever folks who made poor choices or folks who said things that they regret. Like, I distinctly remember. Is this a torture test? He doesn't regret. He sounds like an idiot. Is this a torture test? How much of this do we need? I distinctly remember not thinking anything was wrong with the choices I was making. Okay. Woke up on the front lawn of my mom's house, dead drunk, and thought, woo, that was crazy. I didn't think anything was detrimental about that. Gave a girl an STD, curable, thank God. She calls me crying. I'm like, Psh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dang, she called me. That's crazy. I, why didn't I tell her, go to the clinic I went to and get the pills I got? I didn't think anything was wrong with what I did. Terrible. Walked through my neighborhood at 18 years old. Opened up. Let me not say what I did. Committed some crimes. I don't know the statute of limitations on this. <laughs> the point is, I did not see anything wrong with what I was doing. It may be in my conscience, I was like, yeah, this isn't right. But this is someone whose spirit is not grieved, you know? Why? Because I hadn't seen the light. My heart hadn't been transformed. How do we expect that to happen? Like, if some Christian would have came to me and said, what a dumb, ignorant sinner you are. Can't believe you're doing all this heinous stuff. God's going to get you. You think I would have been like, dang, I need to trust Jesus now. Thank you. Thank you, stranger, for the brutal chastisements you just gave me. Right? You think that's how Jesus's formula was? That he just walked around like looking at prostitutes saying, hey, hey, you, you, you are an enemy of God and you will perish for your lewd acts. Is that what we saw him do? I don't I don't recall seeing Jesus move like that. I recall seeing Pharisees move like that. I How many people are watching this guy? Four How many million? Too many. Oh, yeah, yeah four many. millions. Okay. The coffers must be running low. Maybe the royalties are <laughs> yes. 
All right. And uh, so, okay, I, w- I don't want to, there's a lot that we could break down about that. I don't want to get too caught up in Lil Nas X or in Lecrae, but he's making a clear argument there that, man, Christians shouldn't be calling out Lil Nas X. And he makes a few arguments. One is, is because he's not a Christian. And so he's just doing what non-Christians do. How would you respond to that? I mean, how would you respond to Well, now to- he's saying he is a Christian, right? Yeah, okay. Interesting point. Lil Nas X is probably saying something kind of like that. Or he's making Christian music, which, yeah, now now's the time. It's been the time to say. But does that even matter? I mean, does it matter whether he is saying he's a Christian or not? Um. Yeah, I mean, we can say it's evil no matter what, but if especially if you're saying, I'm representing Christianity, now we do have some more things to say. Okay, yeah, that's good. He's talking about winning Lil Nas X. Right. He's talking about the people that are broken and hurting and lost yeah. and that they're trying to find Jesus and that they're uh, they're making, they've made mistakes in their past. Right. This is happening now. It's active wickedness. Yeah. It's a rejecting of God. It's not someone who is saying, can you please show me the way? Tell me where, tell me how to follow God. It's someone who is blaspheming. And to be God's clear, we're not, we're not going to, we don't want to get into it, but there's, it's clear from several things that Lil Nas X said was it. We have a quote in our notes that is just like so vile and disgusting. It's not like he's in this gradual process of moving towards the Lord. He's not. He's he's doubling down on his wickedness in lots of different ways. Well, so, we've defined what, what, an evangelist versus uh, someone on the other side who's an evangelist and who's a seeker. Right. Little Nas is not. Yeah, it doesn't fall in that category. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's an important point yeah. in some way. But there's even more to it than that. He's he's actively trying to attach his name to Christianity. I don't know if it's a grift. I don't know if it's like a a funny joke to him or whatever it is, but it does need to be made very, very abundantly clear. These two, the, you are not compatible. Your life and your choices are not compatible with Christianity. And, um, and, and there's a standard of what faithfulness to Jesus looks like. It's not just anybody at any time on their terms can come to the Lord. We got to separate those two things out. We got to separate those two things out. Cause I, little Nas X and Lecrae, little Nas X is one thing. And it's ridiculous and it, it, it boggles the mind what he's actually doing. Yeah. And so if you were actually to think about an approach to reach out to him, you need to you need to think about it. It's not what Lecrae is saying. Yeah. And what Lecrae is saying, in terms of our conversation being based around niceness, he's using a very mocking tone to push Christians to just be nice. That bothers me. He's talking to me like he can bully me. Yeah. Like, don't you, what are you thinking? You're talking... He is actually not representing what he's saying he wants us to be. And he's trying to push us into a corner with this, this like inertia that he has on his side uh, from culture. You can't be that way. Christians are oppressive. If you go earlier in that clip, he says Christians have done all kinds of things to homosexuals. He's trying to push us. Yeah. That is now where at me, I'm not going to take that. You're not going to push me with that kind of argument. I think you also brought up that he's making a straw. He is creating a straw man of the Christian argument. Like he's saying, you think Jesus went to a prostitute and said, you know, uh, you're, 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 yeah, you're, you're doing lewd acts and God's going to get you. That last part, you need to, you need to address people's wickedness. You need to address sin. Which and Jesus not, did. Well, and every, that's time, also, every time, every time. That's mockery. Came, he's trying to mock us. That when he's doing that and uh, making sure. that caricature of what Jesus is, that's mockery. And I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. Like that needs to, Lecrae, in my opinion, is different than Little Nas X. Little Nas X is so out of his mind, it is totally different. I the, I want to say something. I think in that, he uses this analogy he makes up. He says if a blind man comes on a bus and steps on your toe, 
what would you do? Why is he making up an analogy? We have little Nas X. He's dancing on Satan's lap. That's what we need to deal with. Yeah. A different story. Yeah. <laughs> he's not blind coming on a bus. He's he's a he's fully he's, aware. He's fully aware. Yeah, he's smart enough to make money in music and and videos that have layers to them. And he's doing something intentional. So little little Nas X is one thing. Lecrae is a whole different thing. Before we get there, though, I, so I, I want to talk about that. I think it's important. But I want to talk about Tobias's Tobias's point, which is he's making an argument that that's not how Jesus moved. Right. That's what he said. Now he Jesus. Interestingly, every there's a, there's a, you know a lot of people want to say that's how Pharisees. That's what he says. How he ends the video, right? That clip. He, he says Pharisees did that, but Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't call people out on their sin, which is totally untrue. Yeah. Jesus called people out all the time on their sin, and it, it's actually you can almost not come up to in an example where Jesus interacts with a sinner or it gives the details of the interaction with a sinner where Jesus does not explicitly call out their sin. He says the woman at the well, the the uh, Gentile woman. Um, or he says, the Samaritan woman, he says, go and get your husband. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a husband. That's right. And the man you're with now, you've had five husbands. The man you're with now is not your husband, right? That's Jesus bringing up her offensive thing. He later on in the video brings up the woman caught in adultery. They bring him before Jesus. It's not that Jesus doesn't condemn adultery. He certainly does condemn adultery. It's a trap the Pharisees are trying to lay for him. But even in that instance, when he says, this is not how we're going to do this. We're not going to stone this woman right now. But he just go and sin no more because something will happen. The guy that comes that's demon possessed, he says, go and make sure you replace it with something else. Because if not, that demon's going to come back seven times with six, with seven of his friends worse than it was, or six of his friends worse than it was before. Well, the uh, Cray is showing is just an ineptitude at understanding the full. Sure. Yeah. And, and big time. But I just want to address the point that no, Jesus actually did call out people for their sin often. And, and regularly, and people think that's not true. And so the idea that we shouldn't call people out for sin, people inside the church and people outside the church, uh, prophetically warning, hey, that's going to destroy you. That's going to, and not just that, you, you brought up the fact that Lil Nas X is ma proficient, made a bunch of money. Yeah, he made his money from who? He made his money from people that he's influencing, people who think what he's selling is cool or interesting. He's a trendsetter. He's an influencer, all that kind of stuff. That's what he's peddling. And those are all the people who he's not, it's not just one guy going off headlong into hell. It's one Pied Piper leading a bunch of people off into hell. And if we can warn the people following him, hey, this is wicked. This is an example of what not to do. This is actually terrible. There's, there's, this is offensive to God in several ways and it's not going to end well. You know, here's a better way. We should be yelling that from the rooftops as much as possible. Yeah, if he's saying he's representing God, Pharisees also said that. And Jesus said, they're looking for people to, to proselytize, to follow them. And they're making them twice the sons of hell that they are. Yeah, right? Jesus said it. Jesus said, yeah. you're being a son of hell yeah. and you're looking to make people twice the sons of hell yeah. you are. Right. That doesn't sound very nice. Yeah, it's offensive. But it's very true it's, and it needs to be said. It's pejorative. It's an insult. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, look, this is the truth and it actually is what's happening and you need to knock it off. So it, I think the second part of that, of his statement also, his kind of, um, you know, when he puts on the other voice as like the standard Christian voice right. that he's representing and saying, no, God didn't call it sin. Yes, he did. Right. But, but then the second part that he, he does, um, he says that, uh, that if someone would have come to me and said, you're going to perish and God's going to get you, yeah. um, that, and he ends it there as if that's the whole presentation of the gospel that Christians put out is that, right. is that you're in the wrong and God's going to get you. Right. He's either actually that dumb or he's doing something really wicked, which is mis purposely misrepresenting the gospel and stopping short of saying, you will perish in your sin unless you repent 
and come to Christ, and then you can be free of it and have eternal life. Part of that story is always, whenever you're interacting with somebody, you always share also, I'm a sinner. I was going to perish in my sins. God saved me. Jesus Christ's blood saved me. So he's... Well, that's great. He stopped short of the good news. It's such a... I know thousands of Christians. I don't know one Christian. I don't know one Christian who's like who he's saying. And what's interesting is, you know, I, it's a dumb straw man. It's there, a very obvious straw man. There's a, it's a Christian that's represented on social media. He's just getting the yeah. headline and he's assuming that that's how everyone interacts. And it's, it's, it's such a fake stereotype. And totally. I, and, and this is where I think it comes into what you're saying. There's, there's this, it's so, there, Christians can be such self-hating people. Like, like for so long, people said, man, Christians, they hate the poor. Once a baby's born, they don't care about them. They hate people of color. You know, all this kind of stuff. They hate homosexuals, all this kind of stuff. I've seen the of the people I know, uh, Christians and non-Christians, the Christians I know give 10x the amount of money, the amount of time, the amount of energy, the amount of their personal resources and 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 their 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 thought life and on helping poor people and helping people who are who are marginalized than the people I know on on the other side who would stand there and say Christians are hateful and bigoted. It's it's not even close. It is so lopsided, right? It is it is so vastly lopsided. There's a girl who went to our church for a long time. She was plugged in. Um, she fell away from the Lord. She deconstructed. She went f- headlong into a homosexual lifestyle. Her family went to our church. People were praying for her. She 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 destroyed her marriage. She destroyed her family. She she just wreaked all this havoc. Did it super publicly. Got a super huge following on on um, social media for doing it. And just all these people cheering her on. She ends up repenting and coming back to the Lord. Every single old Christian lady, you know, old timer that I know rejoiced over her repentance, right? Rejoiced over her coming back to the Lord. And, and it's just a fake stereotype of the Christian out there who like, like the way he's making it sound is like, we want people to go to hell or we want people to, to suffer the consequences or something. Dude, it's, it's not true. We, every Christian I know, literally every Christian I know really wants people to repent and their worst enemies to repent and turn back to the Lord. And so... His attitude, his mocking of the church is something that I found so common where so many Christians, that's their, that's what they trade in. They trade in criticizing the church, pointing at the church, calling out the church, um, uh, looking for flaws in the church in order to almost, it seems like to curry favor with the world, to like curry acceptance exactly by the world. That's what and his video is for. That's what he's doing. Yes. That's, that's what Lecrae's video that's is for. That's the only 100%. thing this video is for, is for people, if you look at the comments, to go, how wise, how noble of you, how yeah. understanding, what a great take. I love your re- your representation <laughs> yeah, of the gospel. So, That's the only thing he made that video for. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. Well, well, I think the, the other reason you have to know that that's the only reason, he has been around Christianity for long enough to know that he's not giving a full representation. He knows he's, the gospel. He's heard yeah. things more deep and elaborate than what he's representing. And that means it's in some way gimmickry. It's false. It... it He's doing a shtick to create some kind of buzz or to to give himself some clout so he can speak into people. But we're we're showing it not because we hate Lecrae and want to destroy Lecrae, call it Lecrae. We're showing it because it's a it's an example of what actually happens all the time in Christian circles, in Christian media, where where there's like this Christian Christian elites who want to kind of uh, gatekeep other Christians and try to like make the church out to be this unwelcoming, unloving place that's just full of of condemnation and distress. And dude, if you it think is, of something that you, I'm sorry to cut you off, man. I that's gotta, fine. But I, you, you put out a statistic that the church is like 60% women. Yeah. And there, 
that can intimidate a person, a woman. Maybe. Yeah. And he's using argumentation. He's using force where I think the call, this talk, talk about not being nice, men shouldn't be uh, deterred by that. And that's where you want a Christianity that has both. Women are supposed to be different than us and warm and gentle and and potentially more long suffering and potentially have smoother edges and and be more accommodating. That's there's a there's two prongs here. That needs to be interacted with by us. And so this is where I think you don't want us not to be nice. You want me to to talk about him like he's a fool. He's a fool. He's a damn fool who's who's doing bad things for Christianity. And I should say that, or you should say that, so that we can push against those types of things. So there's something white knighting about it, right? He's trying to like, like I said, he's trying to make sure that we all stay in our place, stay in our lane, so that he can be this, this compassionate, gracious, forgiving voice of, of Christianity, which is just, dude, it's actually willfully ignorant. Um, it is it is self-hating and it's destructive to the kingdom and to, to people who actually need to stand up and clearly denounce what is wicked and evil because there's a lot of people who are trying to figure it out and there's a lot of people who don't know. We, we live in an amoral culture and, and the, Christian, like the, the church is supposed to be a city set on a hill, a lamp that shouldn't be hidden. And for us to be able to shine the light of the gospel is that, is that man, there is, this w- world is full of sin and wickedness. You are full of sin and wickedness and you can be saved from it. That's the gospel, right? That needs the, to be- The checked. question I would ask Lecrae is, if you played out the way you're presenting the gospel right now, if, you, if every Christian were to play from your playbook, what would the world look like when you're giving space for sin to cultivate and there's no opposition saying, saying that this is bad, this is wrong? And so when you're presenting the gospel this way, you have to play this out. If everybody thought the way you did, and every Christian preached and did videos and accepted your playbook, what would the world, it would be an awful world. Yeah. Your, your playbook is flawed. Yeah. And so you, I don't think he's thought this through, playing it out. If everybody took the banner that he's raising. But this is the time, this is the time that Jesus or David or the character has no mercy with those types of things. So G- Jesus makes the whip and he flips the tables in this instance. You're representing Christians. You're representing God. You're representing this bad. We're done with it. Falsely. You're falsely representing it. You're, we're done with it. Or David, you're you're slandering the people of God. We're done with it. So I, I think connecting this all the way back, this probably does feel very odd for people that have been steeped up in Christianity that's about niceness. And and so be it. I I, I love people. I want to love people. In, in the right way, people that are bent towards the direction of little Nas X and have this confused mind and are being oppressed by those types of sins, I want to make space for them and I want to bring them in in the right way. When you are platforming this the way those two situations are, you're going to get, you, you need to be resisted by a different kind of thing, a strength that doesn't look nice, that is just more vigorous and, and, and aggressive. Um, I'd love to talk about, I got to go. I'd love to talk about this more because I do think you put on some, the table, some things like mockery and different things that I actually, I don't know that we need to return like the mockery that Lecrae is using. I like a more chivalrous fight. I like to be, be forceful and push into those spaces, but not necessarily use the same tactics as them. 
but um well that sounds like uh, you had some really interesting things to contribute but uh i was gonna go lord of the rings man i had i had characters and stuff i gotta go where are you going all right oh i might you're not going anywhere we got you have fun with the rest of this yeah i mean i think that what spins brings up as he's leaving uh the bible says two things it says answer a fool according to his folly and also says don't answer a fool according to his folly right like hang on to that for one second because we'll just we'll do it Oh, cut and then Spence had to go, so he he had he had a time constraint today. But um, I I do want to bring up what he was bringing up in the last minute is that there's a lot of people who just as we look at man, if we read the scriptures, let me read you a couple scriptures that that I think people would say, hey, we should be nice, we should be um, uh, kind with our words, our tone should be respectful, um, and and I you know we can talk about what that means. But Ephesians four twenty one says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such is as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, Psalm 19, 14 says, let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And Ephesians 5, 4 says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. The overall kind of impression from those verses, I think, is that, man, we better, as Christians, we were very careful about what we say, how we say it, what our words are. And I could see a lot of Christians saying, man, you know, when you call people names or you mock someone or you are pejorative in any kind of way or you use polemics, um, that those are things that are out of bounds for Christians that Christians shouldn't use. And, um, and so what would you say to somebody who says, man, these verses make it pretty clear that we are supposed to be nice i think people drastically underestimate how much we've seasoned uh we've we've <laughs> seasoned our speech with gra- how much how gracious we are yeah i mean to live in this world and to st- and to stomach and to not just be uh, f- you know full full on just enraged throughout the entire day and speaking out against all the wickedness we see there is so much grace by the grace of god we're constra- I'm constrained by Christ every single day. So this is you with a filter. This is <laughs> me with a huge filter. Yeah, okay. I'm very- I think that's the funny thing is that uh, what's funny is this podcast is us with a very strong filter. Right. Okay. So so, so I think we would want to affirm, yeah, man, we definitely agree. We, we say yes and amen to all these scriptures. We say yes and amen to everything in the Bible. Um, uh, we, we think it's really important that we're going to be held accountable for the words that come out of our mouth. That the things we say, we need to be really thoughtful and intentional about what we say, how we say it. We agree with all those things. And yet, I think there are at faithful Christians um, uh, at our, uh, you know, at our hands are opportunities to use things that are not nice, which is insults, mockery, sarcasm. Like, I think those are actually useful tools in the Christian's toolbox and I think I can demonstrate from scripture too. And, yeah, and well, I'll, I, go ahead. I'll say one thing is that it helps me to understand when you are going to talk to a person or you're you're confronting an issue, especially when you're talking to about a person or to one person is we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but spiritual darkness and yeah. wickedness, right? You have to be confronting the spiritual side of it saying this will not stand. Not You're not picking a fight with someone because you want to fight them or because you're angry or because you're angry, you know... It, it's about confronting wickedness yeah. uh, with some with force. Yeah. Well, and I, I think as long... I'm sorry, Phil, go ahead. No, no, real quickly. Um, I think knowing your audience 
is part of the equation in whether you're going to use mockery, tone, um, like we talked about the evangelist or the seeker. And part of being a man is being stoic, is being composed, being not moved by emotion. Um, and we're guided and constrained by the Holy Spirit, like uh, Tobias just said. And so if you find yourself reacting uh, out of emotion, then you're off. So we should, we should be in control. Um, and there's a quote that said, you should only get angry on purpose. And I think when we look at that, people are measured and they know their audience. They're not just lashing out out of emotion. Be angry and sin not. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. and and those are really important yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, admonitions and, and commands for Christians to follow, for sure. I think it, it is part of masculine strength to be stoic and to be able to to reason and to be able to use logic and be able to but be, be self-controlled and know who you're talking in to. the moment. Don't just mock a seeker. Right. But so, so that, that is almost a separate thing though. So yes. Um, cause, cause I think that is just a time and place, right? Like I might, I might be, uh, vocal and public about my denunciation of homosexuality yep. and the wickedness and vileness of it. And then in private and dealing with a homosexual person, I might be really loving and compassionate and caring and understanding. Those are two different things. So I think that's a, pr- a good example of this whole little Nos thing right. is if you're talking to little Nos by himself, I might say, Hey man, this isn't the way, right? I, I, let me, let me show you a more excellent way, you yeah. know, like wh- whatever. But if, if, in public. If, if I'm, if I'm commenting on a public video that he's putting out to the world and commentary that he's putting out to the world, I'm not just dealing with little Nos. I'm dealing with everyone else. And I think that is a different time in a different place. And so you have different, there's, there's different tools you might use at different things. I, I remember seeing a debate one time with Douglas Wilson. He was debating, um, I can't remember the guy's name. He's a, a writer. He's a, um, Hitchens? no, he's a, he's a gay conservative, um, Andrew something. And, um, uh, he was discuss- one of the women came up during the Q and A. She said, would you like to call him a poofter, a queer? And like, she basically all these words that Douglas Wilson had used over the years to, to talk pejoratively about homosexuals. And Douglas Wilson said, no, because uh, I can tell the difference between dealing with someone one on one and then dealing with someone with with a um, in a in a general audience. I had this recently at church. I was preaching a sermon. It was I preached it twice already. It was now second service, and in it, I had said some really strong things about denouncing Islam and the the wickedness of Islam. And during worship, I looked to my side, and right there in like the third row is this woman wearing a hijab, and and I was like, oh man, like is this is she Muslim? Is she coming? I don't know. I don't know her anything about her. I don't know if she's coming to check out church. If maybe she, this is the first time somebody invited her, she's sitting by herself. I didn't know anything. And I just had this, this thought, man, I, I hope that the things I say don't push her away and offend her in some way, but I'm also talking to 500 pe- a thousand people here. Like I need to, Pre- I'm gonna. So I still preach the same word and I still gave it to everyone, but I sought her out after I actually didn't personally seek her out, but um, one of our pastor's wives, I asked her, can, can you pray for her? And, and it was a great experience. It was awesome. But I was like aware of, okay, how's this going to be received by different people? And I want to be wise about it and careful about it and make that decision. So I think that's okay. But I think Christians who would say those things, I think we also have to then recognize the, the Bible that is saying, be season all your speech with grace. Um, let no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving that no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, which is interesting that as fits the occasion is the right word for the right time, that it may give grace to those who hear. Um, that same Bible then uses 
insults and mockery and sarcasm and all these other things. Um, you think about John the Baptist, right? Jesus said, who did you come out to see? You know, a man in, in soft clothes, a right? reed shaken by the wind. Yeah. <laughs> or, or no, you came out to see a, a hardened man, right? That, that is, uh, uh, eats locusts and honey who has stern words. He says, um, this is interesting. Luke's three, seven, uh, John the Baptist says, so he began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? <laughs> people, are, you know, people are so worried about us. You know, we're going to push people away from the Lord. John the Baptist is like, I want to know who warned you to flee from your destruction because they're in trouble. Yeah. Too, you know, um, Jesus says, uh, you hypocrites, um, you travel over land and sea with it to win a single convert. When you've succeeded, you make him twice as much a son of hell of yourself. You blind fools, you snakes, you brood of vipers. All that's in Matthew 23. Jesus used sarcasm. We talk about wholesomeness in Ezekiel 23, Ezekiel prophesies about the people of Israel, yet she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt, where she lusted after her lovers whose genitals were like those of donkeys and whose emissions was like that of horses. So you long for the lewdness of your youth when in Egypt, your bosom was caressed by your young breasts and your, and your young breasts fondled. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beep, 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 so beep, there's the prophet that. Ezekiel. That's not very wholesome. I, honestly, that's not right. wholesome. Right? right. And yet he's making he's, a point. He's making a point and he's using imagery mm -hmm. to talk about how vile and how disgusting it was. Right. right. That's in the scriptures. You think about Psalm 5, 6, 7, and 10. It says, the boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall in the multitude of their transgressions. Thrust them out for they are rebellious against you. There's imprecatory psalms where he's, the, the psalmist, there's, there's a bunch of them where the psalmists are praying for the destruction of their enemies. They're praying that God would be, uh, that God would deal harshly with people. So, man, when we come to the scriptures, we actually find all kinds of examples of men of God, people of God, using strong language, strong tone, imagery, totally clear, yeah, totally and clear. Jesus. And because Jesus. people love to say, Jesus didn't move like that. Yeah. You know, Jesus, like, one of them that I, that I love pointing to is Jesus saying, um, you know, you do the deeds of your father, right? He yeah. sets them up. Well, you know, uh, we, you know, our father is God. Our father is, no, your father is the devil. Yeah. Your father is the devil and you do his deeds. Yeah. Like, that doesn't sound very nice. That's and Jesus it, well, talking. What, isn't it uh, where he dumped water on God's offering. He's like, uh, maybe, maybe your God's asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Right. So Elijah, Elijah, the Baal, right? And he's maybe your God's going to the bathroom. Yeah, something right? like he's that. He's totally mocking them. Yeah. But David mocks. I mean, there, there's lots of examples of godly men, faithful men using this. And Jesus, you know, there's even things we don't pick up on where he says, "Haven't you read these disciples are going and, and picking grain and uh, on the Sabbath, and the and the Pharisees call him out, and he says, "Haven't you read where David, you know, ate the showbread, and the haven't you read?" The Pharisees had yeah. memorized their the life. Old Testament, right? There's yeah. everything. And so he's, he's using sarcasm. You right? ever hear this one? Yeah. You ever read this one? You haven't read that? Yeah. You know, like he's, Jesus all the time is using these different rhetorical tools. He's using different language. And I think Christians, we kind of adopt this, this image, this soft image of Jesus, this soft image of the Bible that didn't, the Bible is full R rated NC 17 in some parts. You know what I mean? And like, uh, if, if you're going to like have your kids read the Bible, we should be people of the book. We should study the scriptures and recognize, man, the Bible is a hard book. It's a book of, of, uh, has a lot of negative things to say, a lot of strong denunciation, a, a lot of calling out wickedness and, and to, for Christians to try to like, 
oh, that's beyond us is like uh, really absurd. And one of the things you read, the scriptures you read in that first set that says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Um, I think the NIV, the second part of it says, but only what is helpful for, for building others up according to their need. Yeah. And so I think there's there's really an aspect of discernment here, an aspect of being led by the spirit, an aspect of, of purposefulness and prayerfulness, not reaction, not emotion, right? But if you even one-on-one have a need, you see someone that is that is in their sin, right? Maybe they're a Christian, they're in their sin, they're stuck in it, they're headstrong in it. I think that's appropriate to use strong language with yeah. that person, have discernment about it, know what you're doing, know why you're saying what you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I certainly think that, you know, Jesus dealing with small groups, he's calling them, um, you know, the, these names to kind of stir them up to maybe break them out of what sin has doled in their spirit and yeah. things like that. Um, I think that that's absolutely appropriate. And, and and sometimes according to their need is the gentlest, most inviting, right. um, most uh, comforting um, words that you can, that you can summon. Sometimes that is according to their need. And then sometimes... Yeah according to their need is a slap across the face. Yeah. And like, just, like, like well, knock it off yeah. and, and get back to the business of God. I think, right. I think it, I, I want to kind of maybe issue a challenge to some of the men that are listening to this right now. And when I hear and I see these great men of God um, operating in mockery and using these strong tones and Jesus doing the same thing, it's all coming from a confidence in God, in scripture, and um, they know who they are in Christ and they know where they're going and they know it's a certainty, heaven and hell, all of that. And so if to the men, if you are not there to the point to be able to operate in that confidence, that's a check in your spirit to say, why am I not confident enough to confront these things? Why am I not confident to use these imagery that the Bible uses and, and, um, and mockery and, and, and the speech that Jesus used, the harshness that the Bible exudes. Um, maybe you need to check yourself and say, why Why is that confidence not present? Yeah, and it was interesting. Uh, maybe it's just being a, a man, but it seems very natural to me. Like, it seems like, yeah, of course, that's the right way to, to do it. Like, I, I, I find that inside myself, not inside my flesh, but inside a redemptive part of me um, that, that has an, a natural instinct to say, that's unholy, that's profane, that's wicked. That's bad, right? Like, and I think this idea, I think to, to your point, Phil, I think people feel uncomfortable looking at the world through the binary of good versus evil. Like, I think people want to nuance everything and be all careful and cautious about everything. And I just think, man, the, the Bible's pretty clear. There's, there's, you're with God or you're against him. And, and you got to pick a side there. That's, there's no middle ground. There's no Geneva. There's no, you know, Switzerland. I'm going to be neutral on all this. Like, there's just, you're with God or against him. That's a, like a really valuable distilled simple concept that i think i think is important for christians to embrace and understand well, i don't know how you don't have that physical reaction because if you see what sin does to people firsthand and the destruction and despair that sin causes people how could you not have that reaction well there's also the the thing i think because people are grow up in this culture where they're told this thing that is patently obviously bad is good you know this is like where where culture the bible says where Call, they call evil good and good evil, right? We've been so there for so long. And this idea that, man, we're a pluralistic society and somehow, you know, it's it kind of, everyone has different faiths. I mean, Lecrae said in that thing, like you expect a non-Christian to believe like, no, I don't, but he's he is living in God's world. He is made in God's image. He is um, uh, commanded to follow a certain thing. If he's not, it's fine for me to call that out and say that's that's actually against God's design, against God's law. I don't care if you believe in God's law or not. It doesn't matter. 
it is against God's law. It still is, even right. whether you believe in it or not. I think that's the thing is like in our culture, like Tobias is saying that um, what's going on in our culture on every corner and, and in every school and in, every, and, and in homes and things like that, in public institutions, there's enough to be angry about every single day. Right. And I'm not saying that we need to live as Christians in a pure state of kind of just uh, oh. of anger. Um, that we need to live in a pure state of anger. Obviously, that's not true. Um, but I think that there should be a lot more of that, of a righteous indignation. But we've grown so accustomed to this yeah. climate that we're in. Yeah. There's this phrase, I, I think it's a Japanese phrase. It's, it's like, uh, we're like an ape in lukewarm water. We're like, we're just this like... Sleepy. Sloth. Sleepy. The water's grown cold. It's lukewarm. Everything around us is lukewarm. And so for us, we just kind of feel like, well, this is just kind of normal. You can't be angry all the time. Yeah, our this eyes is are the just, justice of the dark. Yeah, this is yeah. just your environment. You, what are you going to do, walk around angry all the time? Well, I think that would be a lot better than what we have now, which is anger at no sin. Yeah, and I think, let me just let me just draw one other point on what you were saying, and I think we can probably close up. But, um, you, you know, Jesus had a lot of really harsh things to say to the Pharisees. And... <laughs> During Jesus, in Jesus' culture at his time, the sin of the day was religious legalism, uh, them adding to the word of God. That is clearly not the sin of our day. Our sin, the sin of our day is not people walking around being too self-righteous and, and, you know, being too fastidious with the law and trying to be, uh, you know, like the clearly the sin of our day is antinomianism. It's, it's a rejection of, of casting off God, casting off his laws. And so when Jesus is calling out, denouncing the Pharisees, one of the things he's doing is he's saying, I'm not with them to, to the people around. He's saying, look, stop listening to these guys. They're perverting what, what I said is right. Well, I think for us, the sin of our day is different. And we need to call it out with the same kind of vigor that Jesus did. It's not religious people. It's not the pastors who are like the people we need to call out. It's the wickedness we find all around us, the rebellion's God. And we need to say, we're not with them. That's not us. We're not cool with those guys. I'm sorry you're on this side, but. We're not, with, <laughs> we're not with them, you know, um, we're, we're not with that. And I think that using that kind of language, I think is, and, and that kind of tone, that kind of disposition is actually modeling the ministry of Jesus. It's modeling who he is and, and how he, how he moves. And I think it's that. And then I think it's also within the church that we hold each other yeah. accountable to a high standard. Yeah. And you know, the, the things that we're saying here, like, you know, if someone needs a verbal slap across the face, maybe, maybe a physical one, yeah. uh, that um, if someone needs that, like, let that be me too. If, yeah, like, yeah. I, I would, I think it's important to say that these standards, not that I'm always meeting the standard, but if I fall below it, I want one of the guys in, in this room and, and it's, it's happened in the past for all of us to say something true and bracing and hard when needed and be as offensive Direct. as you want yeah. to me if it brings me to repentance. Yeah. You know, like Paul Amen. said um, that um, if he's offended, uh, I can't remember the letter, but if he's, if he's offended them or brought them sorrow, he's not sorry. Yeah. Because right. it was a godly sorrow that brought about repentance. Yeah, amen. And so, and so if that, if someone can speak that word into my life that brings me some offense or some sorrow that leads me to repentance, amen. Please do it. I might not enjoy it at the time. We might be in, in, in some kind of conflict, but how much better than for me to remain in sin? It's a good word. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time. 